Hello, Tim Bellpot listener. I just wanted to throw out a bit of a disclaimer that these early episodes, we were still figuring it out, and we got better in pretty much every way. Definitely audio, storytelling, joke telling, research. So, um, you know, maybe start with episode 20. But if you still want to see what the growing process was like for us, continue listening to these early ones because I could see all that's fun. But um, just know it gets better. Hi, guys. I just wanted to let you know that since the last disclaimer, we've gotten so much better at making disclaimers. Like, for example, um, this one has lasers. This one has some dinosaurs. Talk like a robot in this one. And if you want to listen to an episode like without any disclaimers, I would say um, maybe like 27. I think Bruiser Brody, I think that was like the first episode where we figured out kind of, oh, this is what we do. So, yeah, no disclaimers on that one. Um, I mean, you can listen to this old ass episode. I wouldn't, you know, and I fucking wrote it and edited it and researched it and. All right. Well, uh, enjoy this episode. So as a chef, I was pretty pumped to find out that Luna Vachon's son, Van, was on season six of Hell's Kitchen, which is one of my favorite shows. You fucking twat! Yeah. <laughs> which, the side note on this show is that sometimes I feel like they'll put in, like, an actor to, like, stir up shit and, like, <laughs> like get into, like, Gordon's face or whatever. And that made me mad. And then I was like, wait, I've watched pro wrestling for 30 fucking years. Why am I mad about this fake drama? <laughs> But anyways, uh, Van... Because that's real to you, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, something about it made me mad. But before the graphic even comes up, you can tell that is, that's Luna's son. He's like this <laughs> big dude. He has this huge personality. Uh, he could have been a great pro wrestler, but he picked the only other industry that leads to alcohol and drug abuse, <laughs> the culinary industry. I thought uh, you were going to say stand-up comedy. Yeah, uh, that too. Uh, but uh, he's, 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 actually, he's a really badass chef. I think he does some like swanky barbecue uh, restaurant now. On the first day, you have to cook Gordon your signature dish, and he made uh, foie gras with minted caramel. Which that's uh, pretty good, and Gordon liked it a lot. Which has a pretty ball ballsy ditch. What's Fagra again? Uh, duck liver, uh, usually yeah. duck liver. Yeah. So spoiler alert: if you haven't seen this Hell's Kitchen from two thousand nine, <laughs> um, uh, quit listening to the episode. <laughs> he uh, yeah, stop right now. Stop right now. Go watch Hell's Kitchen episode two thousand nine. It's uh, like if we did a Savage episode and you had seen WrestleMania three. Yeah. same thing. He made it to the Black Jackets, which if you're a fan of the show, you know that's a big deal. But he was eliminated in sixth place. But he does come back for the All-Star Season 17, which I haven't seen yet, so you can spoil it for me if you want. And uh, he comes back for one night on Season 9 to uh, be part of the Veteran Chef team. Does he bring that up? Does he do a promo? No, does they he... never mention Luna the whole time. Aww. But also, no other chef on there is like, my dad's an electrician. Well, if so. he was on Chopped, he definitely would. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> His dead mom would be all they talked about on Chopped, <laughs> like the entire show. He should have brought it up like when 
if there was ever a time where Gordon like got in his face and started yelling at him, he looks hard at Gordon. I'm like, this is nothing. This is nothing compared to what my mother used to say. To me. <laughs> my mom had a mohawk. <laughs> Dear God, like my mom used to yell at me, and it would. I don't think it would. Affect, it never really affected me. But if my mom was Luna Vachon, I would have been the most well mannered young man in the history of the world. Is that my mom or a demon from the pits of hell? <laughs> Am I a demon from <laughs> hell? Now I'm questioning everything. I'm on Hell's Kitchen. No! Oh, wow. All right. Welcome to Tim Bell Pod, where we discuss the life and death of pro wrestlers and not Hell's Kitchen. I am half... We should do a different thing. <laughs> a whole Hell's Kitchen episode. Uh, I am half chef, half comedian Nick Alexander, which is the worst kind of X-Men you can be. I am joined by non-chef Michael Loving. Half movie guy, half... I give uh, up. <laughs> and a pro wrestler, maybe with a merit badge and campfire cooking. Oh, hold on a second, sir. Half pro wrestler, half meat prepper, okay? Like, <laughs> no. like I've, I've, I, as soon as we're done here, I've got a meat parade I have to get ready for. I've got an entire week of meals I have to prep for, all right? Meat parade says so much. <laughs> that, of course, is the men scout Jake Manning. Meat parade. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, please remember to like, subscribe, review, and share on wherever you listen to podcasts. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Castbox, and Man Scouts YouTube page, which is a larger platform than Castbox and Stitcher combined. So oh, Till we did this, I hadn't even heard of those. <laughs> but you've heard about the Mascot Manning YouTube page. Yeah, of that course, because I'm a subscriber. So. so today we are covering the original anti-diva, one of the most influential trend-setting women wrestlers of all time, Gertrude Elizabeth Fashan, and I believe the kids know her as Luna. And that's why she's called Luna. That's why she had to do all this shit because people called her Gertrude. <laughs> it's because not... they had she had to deal with that. Much like it's coming from a person called Micah Loving, <laughs> who had to grow up with the name of Loving, who got shit constantly. I understand the Gertrude uh, animosity, and coming from uh, the Mad Dog era, Vashon, not Vashon, Vashon. So well, yeah. I, I was Nicholas and people called me Dickolus <laughs> and I didn't even get mad because that is clever as shit. All right. So, uh, Gertrude was born January 12th, 1962 in Atlanta, Georgia to Charles Wilkerson and Rebecca Van Pierce, but later was adopted by Butcher Vashon in 1966 when he married her mom, Rebecca. So Butcher even continued to raise Luna as his own daughter, even after his marriage to Luna's mom split. So that's pretty cool. Via the adoption, Luna became part of the legendary French-Canadian wrestling family, the Vachans. And family members include her dad, Paul Butcher Vachon, his brother, Maurice Matt Dog Vachon, both AWA and NWA veterans. Luna would even get her trademark voice, trying to mimic her uncle Matt Dog. Also part of that family was Luna's aunt Vivian Vashon, who was an AWA women's champion, and she was Luna's hero. If you watch any shoot or any interview, Luna just loves her. She's so proud of her. Also, there is a 1973 wrestling documentary which focuses on male professional wrestlers and female professional wrestlers, which for 1973 
hell of a progressive yeah, choice. Um, it's called The Wrestling Queen. I know it's on the internet if you're savvy on internet uh, torrents and such, but um, The Wrestling Queen features uh, Vivian Vachon, and it's got some good footage of her. She, Luna would say, Vivian wrestled like one of the guys, and she was very proud of that. It's something she modeled herself after. She enjoyed that she actually did wrestling instead of some of the cat fighting, hair pulling that a lot of promotions put on. And which she truly hated. Yeah. <laughs> so, as a kid, Luna would go to events with her family and play around in the ring, which often led to her getting shown a thing or two from wrestlers in the www.com. <laughs> WWWF. Uh, this is 1942. <laughs> yeah, they lost a W for every year. So, I mean, like, you know, finally they're just like, all right, we have no more W's to give. Right, right, right. And then we got no more F's to give. So, let's... <laughs> can I, I don't know if I can do a rim shot on a table. <laughs> Luna said all she ever wanted from the age of three was to be a pro wrestler and be a women's champion. However, her family did not want her getting into the wrestling business. Which was all they did. Yeah, no way. Very (laughs) weird, right? Luna was even close friends with Andre the Giant, and he even tried to talk her out of it. And I hear that is often the case with pro wrestlers. It's such a brutal business, and you want better for your kids. Yeah, and especially for female wrestlers at the time. You know, you talk about Vivian, and you think of the time that she was wrestling and traveling and touring i i always think back to you know i always think about like female pro wrestlers just even like traveling today think about it you're driving late at night you know by yourself checking a hotel by yourself you know that's depend. you know it's kind of a, a worrisome uh, thing and when she was doing it that was prime serial killer <laughs> that's, yeah, right? yeah. that mean, was I, just mwah. exactly there weren't, there weren't many safeguards you're going to a hotel no. like i had you know, many conversations with Tracy Brooks, and she would talk about staying in some hotels where she's like, oh, I don't feel safe staying in this hotel. So she would take all the furniture and move it in front of the door because she didn't think that the yeah, door yeah, locks worked well yeah, enough. Scary, so, like, and that's just even in 2005, 2006. And I did that last year when I went to a UFC show in Virginia by myself. It was at the corner of this thing, pushed all the furniture against the door, and I'm a guy. <laughs> So, despite the best wishes of Luna's family, at the age of 16, she began training with her aunt, Vivian. And apparently, Vivian worked very stiff with her, again, just trying to convince her to not be a wrestler, trying to beat her (laughs) up. But Luna was as tough as she was passionate about the business, and she eventually headed to Columbia, South Carolina, where she would train with the fabulous Moolah, who, despite her name, is not a fabulous person. I was about to make a joke. It's like, yeah, truly fabulous in every way, and just lay on the sarcasm really yeah. thick. Oh, and they always would just say, oh, she's a shrewd businesswoman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was always the line. That's that's the dressing up. That's like calling a woman wild. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And like shrewd. And and Mula, she was she would do these things like she didn't want these girls to go out and make money outside of the umbrella of the fabulous Mula. So much in fact that she would teach the girls how to wrestle from the right side as opposed to the left side, which is traditionally how pro wrestling is done, where you wrestle all from the left side. Yeah. She would teach Is that the, just a TV thing or is that just in general? It's just in general. Okay. Just, you mean like working the leg? Because yeah, I, I, I think I heard that in, in America you work the left leg, but then in Mexico... Oh, right, left side. The left side. And then in Mexico they work the right side, yeah. so that gets like confusing. It gets confusing. So, what? I never so, so what she does is she teaches her female wrestlers to all the work the right side so if they try to go and work somebody else they can't do it so it's like you can only work my girls my girls can only work each other 
And if you try to break out, you'll be all confused and the match won't go as well because you're wrestling from a different side. Yeah, yeah. So it shows how little she thought of them that they they couldn't just, you know, (laughs) I'll do the other leg. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. It's it's tough to do. It's it's hard to figure out. Yeah, yeah, I'm obviously a noob and I'm talking out of ignorance, but it like it's it's a specific art to each side. It's so it's it's so prevalent too, like you almost get kind of like Muscle memory. Like, muscle memory and like turned a certain way. Yeah. I remember like Caleb Connolly was like complaining that his back, he goes, he goes, I feel like my hips are uneven from wrestling from the left <laughs> side my entire life. And also I feel too, like my whole body's ruined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and also too, he's a lefty. So he's always doing from the left. So he's like, he's like, I feel like I'm always turned forward from the left in all moments in time. So do we want to get all the moolah stuff out of the way? You want to, I'll take, we'll, we'll eventually do a, a roast of moolah uh, episode. <laughs> Here, I'll just get that out of the way. Gangrel, quote, she's basically a pimp. Luna claimed, which, I mean, she she had to pose at the age of 16. So it was She was clothed, but she bent over something and took pictures for the leading local cardiologist in Arizona, which I thought was a very specific, yeah, interesting was, thing. That was, so was a like, big you know, thing Mula did. She essentially pimped out her girls. A lot of stories about it, which we will get into eventually whenever we cover that garbage can of a person. Which... <laughs> Which is why it's called the May Young Classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They tried to do the moolah, and then the internet was like, you know what? <laughs> which, is, which is funny is I, somebody who's entrenched in professional wrestling, hadn't heard a lot of even just those stories that you just put out there. I always heard the words, oh, she's a shrewd businesswoman. Yeah. That was always just how it was referred Because back in the day of wrestling, they were all kind of... And like I said, road. and I always heard the story about her teaching the girls from the right side to the left side. I'm like, oh, those, those, are, those are the awful things that Moolah did. And then come to find out, like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> drop in the bucket. Whoa. Much darker. <laughs> and apparently she liked to bed them and take 25% of everything and yeah, woo, all yeah. types of fun stuff. It's important to know also that Luna did go to get trained, and this would upset her family enough that they completely quit talking to her. Although, eventually, they would come around. So, after training with Mula and dodging Mula's attempts to prostitute her out to other men, uh, Luna moved to Florida, competing under her ring name, Angel Vashon. And she was also part of a four-woman traveling troupe led by Mad Maxine. While in Florida, she was roommates with wrestlers NWA junior heavyweight champion downtown Denny Brown and Scott Levy, who is so raven. When you said NWA that time, the way you said NWA immediately made me think of Dr. Dre and Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like we say it sometimes on this podcast because it's wrestling, yeah. but the way you said that one, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's, like, one person who listens to our podcast who's like, how big was that rap group? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Brickhouse Brown, like, Ole Anderson, Easy Motherfucking E. Straight out of Memphis. <laughs> well, it's all that attitude you say. It oh, yeah. <laughs> it was the attitude era, it, it, as they say. It is most certainly with attitude. <laughs> 85, she debuted in Florida Championship Wrestling as Trudy Hurd, a journalist from the Sports Review magazine. Oh, my God. And while giving Kendall Wyndham a trophy for Wrestler of the Month, a huge fight broke out between Wyndham and Kevin Sullivan's Army of Darkness, which led to Luna being slapped, but luckily not murdered, by Kevin Sullivan. Can we just talk about, find this clip on YouTube, she gets the shit slapped out of her. It is so audible, and it's that dead, thick slap where you're like, she might be out. Yeah. I mean, it is it is vicious. 
And with the, the whole thing, she gets up crying, she's over emotional, and she gets in the back, it's like, is that all you got? <laughs> Soon after, she'd be kidnapped, had her head shaved, be brainwashed, and become <laughs> part of Sullivan's army with the new ring name, Luna Bashan. <laughs> Luna being a play on Lunatic and not a reference to the moon or those healthy snack bars, which is something I found out. I want to argue that a lot. (laughs) Which I find is funny. Like, I didn't, it just now clicked in my head the idea of like a slap and then kidnap and all this stuff. I I didn't realize the correlation between that Luna Vachon's transformation into Luna Vachon is very similar to Sue Young's transformation to the Undead Bride. Mm. The way she became the Undead Bride is she got slapped so hard by Soraya Knight (laughs) that she turned crazy. Wow. Which is why I always heard how that that transformation came to be. So it's funny that she patterned herself out of Luna Vachon, which goes to probably a conversation a little later about the the, the influence Influence, of Luna Vachon. But since we're just talking about that right now, I figured I'd slide that right Uh, That's beautiful. Also, what's a scarier phone call after abducting a person? Uh, Getting a phone call from Liam Neeson or Mad Dog Vachon? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with Liam Neeson because you can't hear Mad Dog clearly enough. And you're like, (laughs) I'm sorry, repeat yourself? (laughs) Yeah, what, what era are we talking about here? Because then we're going to talk about landline connections or cell phone connections. Like international cell phone connections. Are we, I mean, I don't know. Like, don't With Mad Dog, all you got to do is like drive down the road to another motel. <laughs> I mean, because he's not going to find you there. Yeah. Also, during her time in Florida, Luna would first wrestle Medusa, or if you're a fucking Mark, Alundra Blaze. Oh. And Luna and Medusa would wrestle each other their entire careers. So, over the next three years, Luna traveled to Japan and Puerto Rico, where uh, Butcher Vashon was her manager. Well, what was that? Sounds just like a rap group, right? What was that? <laughs> you, sounded like, you sounded like Donald Trump trying to convince people that you're not racist. <laughs> Puerto Rico. All right. She wrestled in Dave McLean's Powerful Women of Wrestling, and Dave McLean is the founder of Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and the not as popular normal women who don't even wrestle. <laughs> yeah, because there was a lot of inclinations that Dave McLean was involved in, and now he's involved in WOW, and just... It was all women stuff? He was always trying to push something Is that like forward. a cheerleader Melissa? Was that that, or who am I thinking of? She, I guarantee she did some sort of inclination that Dave McLean did, yeah, because yeah, she's yeah, yeah. on the West Coast. Because like when ROH was big, there was a... Female promotion that was big. What am I blanking? There's always there's always something there's always something brewing with David McLean. Always like he was always like it would be powerful women in wrestling, right? Or, instead of uh, gorgeous, it'd be glorious. You know, uh, okay. and he put an extra. This is a weird. He point. would he would take the W that fell off the WWWF <laughs> and pick it up and put it on a glow or a pow or whatever. So in the early 90s, Luna managed the Black Hearts out of Stu Hart's Stampede Wrestling, which is not a rap group, if you're confused. <laughs> Stampede, that's definitely a rap the, group. The team consisted of Tom Nash and David Heath. David Heath, of course, became Gangrel after an altercation with a vampire left him eternally cursed. <laughs> We've all been there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're good enough at YouTube, you can find a match in Texas where Luna and Cactus Jack face Eddie Gilbert and Medusa in a oh. hair versus hair match that ends with a little bit of Blackheart interference. Wow, you sent me that match and I totally didn't watch it. I suck. <laughs> it, it, it's fun. <laughs> So also, Tom Nash was Luna's ex-husband, but Gangrel was Luna's future husband. 
And Luna was married three times, first to Dan Hurd, then to Nash, and then Gangrel on October 31st, 1994, because, of course, they get married on Halloween. Yeah. I couldn't find a lot of stuff about Tom Nash and Luna's relationship, but Gangrel said something along the lines that she married Nash just to get away from her boyfriend, Dick Slater, who was apparently abusive, so Slater was, in fact, a dick. Oh, yeah, I've heard multiple bad stories about Dick Slater, and also, too, for High Spots, we booked Dick Slater uh, while he was in a wheelchair because we heard he was on hard times, (laughs) and he was miserable to fucking deal Uh, with and just made it... Like, we tried to do something out of charity, and he fucking made us pay for it. So. It's, like, it's like when, when uh, Forrest Gump met with Lieutenant Dan in New York, and he was a dick. Oh, I would rather have <laughs> No, but he had Lieutenant a redemption Dan. moment. Yeah, no, later, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. no redemption <laughs> moment. No, no redemption <laughs> moment for Dick Slater, just to let you know. Gang Girl's talking about one of the moments where she has to, he picks up uh, Luna. It's like, she, yeah, she hopped out of the window, and she ran to the car, and we took her to the show, and then later he's like... By the way, Dick Slater was so bad, it was a third-story window. And she jumped out of a fucking third-story window to get away from him. Fuck. Well, and also, too, like, I, I think about that relationship. You had Tom Nash and David Heath, like, and they're a tag team. Like, I mean, obviously, it was to get away from his abusive relationship. But still, here's somebody you've been involved with, and now the person you're involved with. Like, that takes a level of maturity that grown adults don't have, especially the way, you know, pro wrestling is and you're around each other all the time and you're around each other, like not at your best times and you're around each other, like, and you're stressed out. And for you guys to have enough maturity in a working relationship to make that work as long as I did, like that is truly admirable and should not be glazed over in any sense. Like that, that just shows the maturity of all three people involved. Luna and Gangrel would stay married for 18 years, and they are one of my favorite wrestling couples ever. <laughs> Luna worked with the Black Hearts in Tri-State Wrestling, Universal Wrestling Federation, and All Japan, where the team eventually split up. So at this point, Luna had been traveling the world, getting a lot of work as a wrestler and a manager, and it was only a matter of time before someone as talented as Luna would get on WWF's radar. And the story behind her getting picked up is uh, pretty neat. In 92, David Heath, Gangrel, was sending in wrestling tapes to WWF trying to get a job. And that resulted in WWF seeing Luna and getting interested in her, which I relate to because everyone loves Spencer and hates me. Oh, that's not true. I kind of like you. (laughs) There was a problem, though. No one actually knew where Luna was, and even her father only knew that she was staying in Florida. So the WWF actually hired a private investigator to go find her, and when she was found, she was working as a waitress at Shoney's. <laughs> and Luna seems like a pretty intense waitress. Like, would you like a refill? Like, ah. All I could think now is a Shoney's owned by Scott yeah, Steiner, with Luna. waitressed by Luna Vachon. Listen, I've, I've met some very Luna Vachon-esque waitresses at Waffle House, okay? <laughs> Like Damn it, I was I, when you said that I was gonna say at Waffle House, but yeah. you already covered it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've ran into some waitresses that, that look like they could be Luna Vachon's sister. So like veins and everything. <laughs> like it's it's kind of on brand. WWF finally finds Luna, signs her to a contract, and her first appearance is in April of '93 at WrestleMania Nine. Which is a great episode of How Did This Get Booked? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of our first, yes. And she, not a great WrestleMania, by the way. Not very good at all. 
That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> she'd valet for Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels in his match against the undefeated Native American Tatanka, who was accompanied by HBK's former valet, Sensational Sherry. Right away on commentary, Bobby Heenan is putting her over super hard, like Bobby was always great at doing. He's talking about how mean and how tough she was the family and how lineage. legendary the Vashans are. Yeah. This match is a little over 18 minutes long. God, boy, it did not need to be that long at all. Didn't uh, they have the reputation, though, of, like, the best match on the card? Isn't that... It, if yeah, if I mean, it were like eight minutes long, it would have been fantastic. Yeah, but it's just kind of eighteen minutes of two dudes just doing moves, moves right. for no reason, which is a good representation of WrestleMania night. So Luna during the match has a couple standoffs with Sherry, kind of backing down both times. But uh, the match ends with Shawn Michaels getting it counted out, allowing Tatanka to stay undefeated, but allowing Shawn to keep the belt. And after the match, Luna would attack Sensational Cherry with a clothesline, a body slam, and a few kicks before Tatanka notices and she runs away. And Luna would also attack Sherry in the first aid area before being dragged off. And that would start a feud between the two. And Luna said she loved working with Sherry. Somebody documented Luna and Sherry's feud. Uh, On YouTube, yes. On YouTube. For some reason, unless I'm a horrible search typer... Part one is missing? I don't know, but I think... No, it's on there. You have to watch part two, and then part one shows up. <laughs> so, for I anyone ser- out there trying to play along. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I searched for it, and then I, and I even typed in part one with all the thing, and nothing popped up. But, yeah, somebody went to a lot of nerdy trouble to yeah, document their feud, and it's it's so fucking good. Well, that they should. They're You're talking about two of the toughest the ladies the of, of yep. all time. Probably the most respected if, you know... Gosh, like Sherry, I can't wait for us to do the Sherry. Yeah, right. she's she's the best. She really is. And if for her and Luna to wrestle each other, like it's a feud I'm not that familiar with, and I'm gonna go look at that YouTube clip, but I'll make sure to wait around for part one to circle back around. So Luna and Sherry would have scuffles on Monday Night Raw, Superstars, and WWF Wrestling Challenge, and Luna would cut one of the most epic promos of her career. Oh my god. Saying she would wipe Sherry off the face of the earth and become the goddess of the squared circle. <laughs> and Luna was so good at promos. Like, they're all so effortlessly badass. Like, I, she was so good on the mic. The one that's on YouTube, I mean, God, we're plugging YouTube way I know, too much. I think it's called the most metal promo. It's it, 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 it is, the most metal promo. But it's just another thing where I'm just, I'm going to emit motion while watching wrestling. Yeah. But Luna gets so into it, and the highlights that they put into her are like fucking up Sherry, and it's just like she's... She's so in the zone of being the character and just, like, lost. She's just so into it, and it's just like, ah! Well, and also to Sherry's, uh, Sherry and Luna's credit, like, also, you gotta keep in mind that Sherry, for the most of her career, she's been uh, a heel. She had been a face for, for a while, wow, early yeah, in her career, but for, but for her to be a longtime heel, and then for somebody to come in and be the bad guy in that role, and... You know, take the take that heel lead and that get. That's very true. You know that that's that's, that's, that's a lot of credit yeah, to yeah. Luna's character that it overshadows <laughs> yeah. any negative feelings you might have towards Sherry's character. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh no, she's she's the baby face. Yeah. She's definitely working for underneath against this crazy. See the person. crazy mohawk trick? Yeah, yeah, she's the bad guy. She's the bad guy. <laughs> so during their feud, Bam Bam Bigelow, who can hear all about an episode one of Tim Bill Pot, uh, <laughs> would have a confrontation with Sherry, leading to him getting attacked by Tatanka and the two groups feuding against each other. 
And uh, soon after, Bam Bam would team up with Luna, later announced that he had fallen in love with her, and that Luna would now be his main squeeze. Can I just point out a little nerd uh, wrestling trivia? Tatanka's first official loss was a count-out loss to Rick Martel at a house show. But his first TV loss after building, up, building him up as undefeated was to Ludwig Borga. Uh, Poor Tatanka. They were trying to get uh, Borga over pretty hard. I mean, that's kind of like Mr. Perfect and <laughs> Brutus the Barber. Fucking Glacier and Buff Bagwell. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Bluff, buff Blockbuster, baby. <laughs> So a, uh, a mixed tag team match between Luna and Bam Bam and Sherry and Tatanka was planned for SummerSlam 93, but it was canceled because not only did Luna legitimately injure her arm, Sherry left the WWF. With Sherry gone, there would never be like a big blow-off match for their feud, and that Damn. is a fucking shame. That because sucks. You're talking about two of the, you know... Two of the greats could have done some cool shit. Yeah, and I think that's why it gets forgotten about. Yeah, like yeah, if you yeah. would have had that right, moment. Yeah, totally. It's so true. Sorry. And, 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 <laughs> it's, and it's tough in that area, too, because, like, you know, you're. This is definitely during a time where women's wrestling have it much, most certainly an uphill battle. Totally. Yeah. And here are the, these women gaining traction, getting things going. Yeah, and then. It's so true. It's. Oh. The, the you know the bottom falls out on it and of course you know if they're looking for a reason to to axe it they yeah. found it and they're like oh we're not going back to this again you know how the women are they're just gonna get hurt you know and that's that's the attitude they had so that's what they were they were working against it they were making momentum and then something like this happens. Damn, that's such a, I mean because you know they would have given them a good blow off match you put it on a SummerSlam or a Royal Rumble some big pay per view and they would have. Tore like, the house down, and it would have been like, oh, shit! It, it was like, we need to find more female wrestlers. We need yeah. to get to yeah. the It could have really yeah, 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 got yeah. the wheels rolling much sooner as opposed to later. Damn, I didn't think about or that. The, or what could happen, what they did in uh, the early 2000s. Women's matches became better than some of the men, and we're like, oh, no, let's just sign underwear models. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what they ended up oh, doing. We're, we're going to get into it. No, 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 yeah. no, no I don't think we are. Right. <laughs> so uh, instead, of, instead of that, instead of an epic conclusion to their feud they would have bam bam and the head shrinkers losing to tataka and the smoking guns in a six-man tag match and if you're playing along at home trying to see some cool luna matches this is not one of them she kind of just is a valet here trying to stay out of it because her arm is legit hurt and uh, she never really gets involved in this thrown together backup plan match in late 93, Bam Bam and Luna get into a feud with the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, Doink the Clown. Boom! And at uh, <laughs> 93 Survivor Series, they have a classic Survivor Series-style match with Bam Bam, the Head Shrinkers, and Bastion Booger against four Doinks. But the four Doinks were actually Moe and Mabel and the Bushwhackers in clown makeup. And if clowns or the bushwhackers uh, scare you, uh, this match is fucking terrifying. That sounds... It is. Uh, I haven't watched it, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so the Doinks win, and uh, while Bam Bam and Luna are walking back to the locker room, <clears throat> Doink shows up on the Titan Tron to heckle the two, although he never comes out. Mm. So at WrestleMania 10 in New York City, Bam Bam and Luna would face Doink, Beating him and his partner Dink in a mixed tag match. Who was and, a Frenchman. Yeah, the, the French little guy. Uh, and by the WWE standards, it's a fun comedy match. It and is. you finally get to see Luna wrestle a little bit. And it got taken home too early too. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was like 
four or five minutes early. That's why the ending, Luna botches, she's not supposed to splash oh. pink. Because that looks gross. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like a nasty splash. And uh, I forget the reasoning or which match messed it up, but it got taken home too early. And that's why the, the end. The latter match. It was oh, like, yeah, it ran uh, long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the latter match went like 17 minutes heavy. Yeah. And it, they, they cut like uh, they cut a five on five tag team match or a four on four, like oh, an eight man yeah, tag or something right like that. It. They cut an entire match. All the other matches had to cut, be cut down because that ladder match went so long. But I, I think it was one of those things like, I think we got this, but then like in the match, they're like, nope, go home now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it was, it was, uh, yeah. So that the match ends with Bam Bam hitting Doink with his diving headbutt for the win. So not too much longer after WrestleMania, Luna and Bam Bam would break up. All this kayfabe, of course, they never actually dated. Bam Bam would join the Million Dollar Corporation, and Luna would get some well-deserved spotlight as a singles competitor. So aside from WrestleMania 10, at this point, Luna's WWF run has been scuffles with Sherry and a lot of valet work. But in 1994, WWF's women's division had a bit of a revival and this led to Luna getting into some actual matches. And a lot of them were with women's champion Alundra Blaze, a.k.a. her long-term rival Medusa. Alundra had won a tournament for the belt that had been deactivated in 1990. And uh, she won the belt in December of 93, bringing it back. I remember this time they, they really tried to get some really quality women in there and they were bringing in all Japan women Dude, from yeah. the 90s and all Japan women in the 90s like they Asia he, Kong fucking uh, who was oh god Miami Toyota oh, best ever yeah like it, you you look back at some of those old tapes from all Japan women early 90s and like even now today they're doing stuff that people are just now catching up to it's is, so is that their five star run uh, manami Man, manami toyota has the mo- i think manami toyota has the most five star matches she might even have more than kobashi jeez yeah i mean like manami toyota the early 90 to 95 run of all japan women's when i was so hardcore into fucking tape trading like you see those matches and they're doing full bore Guns to the run, screaming, ripping, and they ha- they have more uh, dexterity and they're more uh, flexible. And they're doing submission moves that make you scream for 45 minutes in two out of three falls matches. And you're like, what the fuck is this? They are beyond amazing. And they are working stiff. I mean, they are working concussion stiff. It was hardcore. So a lot of the matches between Alundra and Luna were on WWF Superstars. And since Luna was a mid-card hill in the 90s, she lost all of them. However, (laughs) uh, they're pretty good. And while they were held under six minutes, most of them, Alundra and Luna could both work their asses off. And I would love to see them get, you know, the 25-minute matches that a lot of the girls now Right. Luna would never win the title from Blaze, even though it was well-deserved. And uh, Alundra even said, I was the champion at the time and wanted her to win. And one night, Alundra even tried to not kick out of a pin so Luna would win the belt. But the ref caught on, didn't finish the count. Uh, That sounds really cool of Alundra, but apparently they didn't really get along in real life so much. Guess what Luna wouldn't have done with the title is put it in a fucking trash can. (laughs) (laughs) Point match. Yeah, she would have set it on fire. (laughs) And then eaten the ashes. (laughs) 
So around this time, WWF had sent Luna to rehab for a wee bit of a drinking problem. And while at rehab, they fired her. Seems like kind of a tick move. Like, hey, I know you're feeling pretty down about being at rehab, but listen, it gets worse. What's another pebble on the mountain? (laughs) But things weren't all bad for Luna in 1994. She would be the first woman to appear on a WWF video game. WWF Raw for Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Uh, She was not on the short end Game Gear and Game Boy roster. (laughs) Jesus. But I played the shit out of that game. It was a good game. So did I. I enjoyed that game immensely. I'm just impressed you put out Game Boy and Game Gear references. (laughs) Facts. After leaving the WWF, Luna made her round on the independent circuit, and eventually Nancy Sullivan, a.k.a. Nancy Benoit, a.k.a. Woman, recruited Luna for ECW, and ECW seemed like just a perfect fit for Luna. Totally. Oh, it was. Like, I, I remember going through EC, these ECW tapes, and she just fit in perfectly. Yeah. Like, like seeing her in the ECW arena, like, like yep, this is where you belong. Yep. And also, too, like, she's apart from Gangrel, who's wrestling as Vampire Warrior at this time, yeah. or she's on the indies, so they're doing a lot more bookings together, they're traveling together, so I'm sure this was good quality time for their relationship. Yeah. Luna was brought in as Tommy Dreamer's new valet as part of his feud with Raven, and Luna would have several run-ins with Raven and Raven's Nest, including Stevie Richards, <laughs> who she'd have a still cage match with at ECW Heat Wave in 1995. Um, wow. I think one of my favorite moments in the beginning of the match, there's a fan sign in the very front row. It's not a hat guy and all those fuckers that we all know, but there's a fan sign that says, cage match, girl versus girl. (laughs) (laughs) They they really hype it up as this, like, intergender still cage. It's the first ever intergender still cage match. But when Luna is coming down to the ring... At, to Tommy Dreamer's theme, which was Men in the Box by Alice in Chains, just that dun, 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 just wearing all black. You're not thinking, oh, this is a woman versus a man. You're thinking, oh, Luna's about to beat this dude's ass. Like, she's just, she's so. Because when Richard comes up to the cage, he does the old thing. Like, he walks up to it, and then before he even gets to the cage, he walks back to almost the entranceway, and he's like, no, no, yeah. no. Especially Stevie's character at this yeah, time in perfect. ECW. I mean, you think of what James Ellsworth is today. This is what Stevie Richards was perfect. at yep. this yeah, moment in time. Totally. So. Random highlights from the match. Uh, there's a lot of throwing each other into the cage. They both get busted open. Yeah, Stevie's jumping into the cage spots are some of the most like, oh, I, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> At one point, Luna gives Stevie a Luna bomb from way up top on the cage. She's on the top ropes, but she's holding onto the cage, and it hits hard. It hits really damn hard. It's beautiful. She gets Stevie with that really awesome swinging net breaker she always did. Uh, Stevie gives her two brutal fucking power pops. Like, <laughs> yep, they are really not nasty. let up. Nope. And uh, finally, Luna wins the match with a testicular claw. Fuck you, yeah. Joey Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fun match. Watch it if you can find it. I will be very sad if it doesn't wind up in your matches. Um, I, I don't know. The thing that really stood out to me when I was watching this... This is the cage match that turned into the infamous ultimate highlight reel ECW chair shot where Pitbull, Raven, faction versus faction shit starts. Dreamer gets Raven in the cage. 
crucifies him to the cage with handcuffs and gives him the ECW chair shot heard around the world and it just goes and it is a brutal fucking chair shot and when I was watching it I was like oh shit I didn't realize this was that cage match yeah. and it is totally the Luna Stevie Richards cage match that turns in one of the best ECW moments of all time also in 95 Luna was rated number 306 on the PWI 500 only the second woman to be included on that list after Jacqueline and who was number one that year your boy Diesel he was number one. He was number one. And uh, and rightfully so. Yeah. And rightfully <laughs> fucking so. Uh, a couple others. Uh, We're not going to get in a fight right now. Steve Austin. <laughs> Nor should was, you because I'm right. <laughs> Stone Cold was number 43, which this is 95 on his way up. Ultimate Warrior was 423. Thank but, you. But ranked number one at being a stupid asshole. Uh, <laughs> That's a hard thing to do. <laughs> In uh, 96 and 97, Luna spent time wrestling in IWA Mid-South and American Wrestling Federation, where she was the first ever AWF Women's Champion. In 97, she also had a short run in WCW, again facing Medusa. And they kind of brought her in and interfering in Medusa's matches uh, while she was trying to win the WCW Championship. They'd have a series of matches, including 97 Slamboree. I watched a match between Luna and Medusa in Germany, which they had a one-off Germany run. I was like, what is this? But um, what is Luna job to? Anybody got to guess what Luna jobs to in Germany? Oh, I don't know. Come on. It's really easy. A suplex. Uh, suplex. What type of suplex? German suplex. German fucking suplex. Well, well, the thing is, though, uh, it's in Germany, so it's just called a suplex. Oh, (laughs) God. The the messed up part was I saw, I didn't watch the match, but I watched, uh, I looked at the card. Luna jobs in the second match to the German suplex. The first match is Alex Wright. And what's his fucking finisher? <laughs> the, Ger- suplex. the suplex. <laughs> in Germany, all matches are ended with a German, yeah. German suplex. I, I, yeah, no I don't know. Unless you're a heel, then you end with a Russian leg sweep. <laughs> just to get some serious heat. <laughs> so in November of 97, Luna returned to WWF as Goldust manager during his artist formerly known as Goldust phase, and it is weird. Oh my god. Uh, um, this is going to be a bit of a movie nerd trivia thing. The promo for when the artist formerly known as Goldust, Luna brings him out on a leash. He has a ball gag in his mouth. He is totally a dog. He is subservient. This was December 1st, 1997. Shout out to my sister Rebecca. That's her birthday. Richard Pryor, kind of weird. I don't know, Rebecca. Why are you, you bringing go. this up? When you're talking about like Dustin Rhodes being ball gagged and drug up by Luna Vachon. It's, sis- weird, it's weird that those two like come into your mind. Like, oh yeah, and by the way, on this day, my sister and Richard Pryor. Those are the two things I think when I see a ball gag in the mouth of a Texan. Think of my sister and Richard Pryor immediately. Immediately. There you go, Rebecca. You listen to the podcast. One of our biggest fans. So, um, not anymore. <laughs> So, there is, there is one of my favorite documentaries of all time for any movie buffs out there. It's called Bob Flanagan, The Life and Death of a Super Masochist. It's called Sick. And it came out, it, it did Sundance, January 97. It then did November 97. And the relationship that is portrayed in this promo is so fucking spot on to Bob Flanagan and his wife at the time, Sherry, that I really think that... Um, at least Dustin Rhodes saw this documentary and they wanted to turn it into a promo. I swear to God, when I did the math on this, it, it was really like, yep, that's exactly what it did. Dustin was 
he saw Sick, The Life and Death of Bob Flanagan, Supermascus. Let's do a promo of it. And damn, if, did it fit. If not him, at least Vince Russo. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank so, you. So, so between point. the two of them, and then, like, I feel like that era of Gold Dust was just all about pushing the envelope. Totally. And if you're gonna push the envelope, uh, is, and you're gonna want like a female with you, Luna Vachon's gonna be there because she's like, sure, I'll drag you to the ring. Like that's. <laughs> I'll treat you like a dog. Yeah, like that's. I mean, if you're gonna push the envelope, and and you want a woman to do that with, Luna Vachon's there. <laughs> so. so true. Now, uh, Goldust was in a feud with Vader that started at Survivor Series that year, and Luna would debut hiding under a surgeon's mask, attacking Vader on an episode of Raw. <laughs> Fits perfectly. Vader and Goldust with Luna would meet at the 98 Royal Rumble, and Luna's pretty much just valeting here again, but she does get Vader with some cheap shots during the match, and eventually Vader is setting up for a Vader bomb. Luna <laughs> so runs good. into it's the so ring, good. dives onto Vader's back and so vader gives him the vader bomb with luna on his back it's it's an awesome spot i'm so glad you mentioned that because i was gonna jump in and do it but it's like i think when when vader goes off luna kind of can't take hold and she almost kind of face plants she face plants so hard but it's such a cool spot because he gets the pin and it's like oh shit it's so good but yeah as a parester seeing that and thinking about the logistics of all that (laughs) it's it's unbelievable like it 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 just blows my mind, like that that happened and nobody died and nobody <laughs> yeah. got seriously hurt. Right. But just just shows the balls of Luna Vachon to be like, yeah, I'll hop on your back, yeah, and, you know, just, and and just like I don't give a fuck what happens to <laughs> yeah. me type of thing. Anything for the show, war on paper. You fuck it, let's go for it. Like that's just that attitude. Like that's that's so goddamn Luna. That, like, just that, that, her, that's, you know? that's that's Vivian. That's Mad Dog. That's her wanting to be. Vivian all the way. Man. I mean, it's one little spot. It's not even like a match, but just that just commitment to yep. the business. Like that, like, you should just include that match <laughs> on your match list just for that one spot alone. It's so damn good. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. So after the feud with Vader, around that time, Goldust began working with Mark Mero. And off camera at house shows, Luna and Mero's valet, Sable, had been doing some spot, which caught the eye of Pat Patterson. But they eventually put it on TV, and Vince loved it. Fucking sigh. All right, so Luna said at first, Sable was super cool, she and was they so cool had a her. lot of fun working together. And that lasted until Sable swallowed up Mark Marrow's career, started getting offers from Playboy, and then undeservingly started walking around the wrestling business like she was a thousand Hulk Hogan's in Ric Flair robes. <laughs> At WrestleMania 14... Brock Lesnar is listening to this right now like, <laughs> fuck uh, you, man. <laughs> Thanks, Brock, for listening to the, our <laughs> little podcast. He just downloaded He's not even subscribing. Like, Brock, come on. Just oh, hit- it's such a heel move. <laughs> just <laughs> hit the subscribe button, yeah. buddy. Like, come on. Daniel Cormier is going to knock you the fuck out. <laughs> Cormier don't get you John Jones will. <laughs> John Jones kills everybody. At WrestleMania 14, the two teams would face each other with Luna training Sable to get ready for the match, all while Sable refused to learn or take bumps. That's not a big part of wrestling. (laughs) I mean, right? Have you ever had a guy that just refused to want to get hurt? Yeah. It happens a lot, you know, and especially if you were getting as much as probably Sable was at the time. But at the same time, too, like, think about it. She was just a pretty girl. No, I mean... I was walking in the ring... 
They gave her an opportunity like, hey, do you want to be a super famous star? And by the way, we're bringing back the women's title just for you. No, no, don't you fucking defend her. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting to do a joke. It's like, you know how mad Nick is right now? <laughs> I, I, I'm a click apologist, but I will uh, I will draw the line at a sable understandist. I won't apologize, but I can understand. I'm ramping up for and, it. And, and, even, and even like, it, it's Nick, funny. Nick's wagging his arms like Conor McGregor right now. <laughs> Listen, even... Even Luna like understood because there's a, there's a story of of Luna snapping on Sunny for Sunny being like mean to Sable. Yeah, and I understand that that as well because there is this situation just came up like a, about a month or two ago. Somebody was yelling at this this one guy who I was like praising for having a match with. You know, he was yelling at this guy for hurting people all the time, which yeah. the guy kind of had a reputation of doing. He was kind of big and clumsy, and he he you know, kind of hurt people and stuff like that. But, like, I always tried to be nice to him because I was the guy working with him. Where, like, they're... Yeah, yeah, you don't want to make the guy that's hurting people be mad at you. Exactly. (laughs) And also, too, like, I'm trying to get... I'm trying to help him along, and he... he was much better than from the last time that I wrestled. I'm like, hey, that's not bad, man. But hey, maybe don't hit me as hard as possible on this. (laughs) Or maybe let me down. Where, like, he wasn't wrestling... Well, the guy yelling at him was never wrestled that guy. Only his friends had, so he felt like he was sticking up for his friends. Right, right, right. So I understand that, and I get that, and I'm glad that he's yelling at him, letting know very clearly you can't do that. Yeah. But at the same time, too, he's like, hey, man, I'm trying to bring him along slowly. And also, too, I'm the one facing the consequences right now. Yeah. So don't get this guy angry, <laughs> and don't make him feel awkward or weird before we go out there, because it's going to end up hurting me and not you. And that's pretty much what Luna was trying to do with Sable is protect her and try to bring her along solely. And, you know, Sonny, maybe you stay out of it. Important note to that match is that Luna was threatened by WWF management. Allegedly. Saying saying that if she hurt Sable in any way, that Luna would lose her job. But don't worry, during the match, Sable didn't take a single bump. (laughs) So if you watch the match, Mero and Goldust wrestle the majority of it. And uh, with Luna kind of playing the cowardly hill, uh, Sable would get some shots in on Luna and Goldust, finally hitting Luna with Marrow's TKO, which is almost, it's like the opposite version of Brock Lesnar's F5. So there's some foreshadowing for you. I just want to say DDP used to do a fireman's carry uh, diamond cutter. They did that. DDP did a fireman's carry diamond cutter on Stevie Richards' I think it was a WCW Saturday night. There was one of the most brutal slow motion Stevie's face crunching into DDP's shoulder diamond cutters I've ever seen. And then all of a sudden, Mark Marrow's doing the stuff. But uh, DDP did a fireman's carry diamond cutter before this, and it was it was mwah, it was gorgeous. So after the match, they go backstage where Sable was met with cheers and congratulations. And the veteran, the better wrestler, the one that carried the no experience Sable, was totally ignored. And uh, Luna broke down crying, only to be comforted by her longtime friend, Owen Hart. When she told that story, it was just so sad to see hear. Like, the yeah. only one she ever put over for any moments like that was Owen Hart, who was apparently there for her, and apparently J.J. Dillon, who was apparently there for her in those yeah. moments, which, I don't know. After WrestleMania, Luna and Sable had an evening gown match at 98 Unforgiven, and... Where was it? <clears throat> Was it Charlotte? It was Ash. It was Asheville or Charlotte. I think it was. Oh, I think it, it was North. 
It was you North just Carolina. said it like you knew it, <laughs> all right? Like, exactly. like you want to know where it is? I'll tell you. Oh, it was with here. It was here. It was there. You're like, if you're gonna bring up a little nugget in the middle of this podcast, why don't you know what the fuck you're talking about, Micah? That is so boring. <laughs> that was one you go. Yeah, you're right, dude. <laughs> that didn't work. But uh, it was either Asheville or Charlotte. It was somewhere close. Both gowns were obviously gimmick, to use a word I wouldn't know without the internet. Um, <laughs> they'd uh, tear off each other's sleeves pretty easily, and uh, Luna tore off Sable's bottoms, which brought out Mark Marrow, because he was doing this jealous uh, kind of angle, trying to cover up Sable. And while Sable had her back turned, Luna comes up from behind, pulls off her top, exposing Sable's bra and panties and winning the match. Oh my god. Um, after the match, Sable attacks Luna, struggles to give Luna Sable Bomb, and then strips Luna for a little bit of payback. This match is under three minutes, and while Sable does do a little selling, she again doesn't take a single bump. I know. Oh, in, yeah. Yep. In our Dino Bravo episode, I brought up that Sable is my least favorite. Hold wrestler. on, real quick. Can I go pee? Or are you just going to rant for three minutes? You want to just like go on a Sable rant and I'll just go pee of. right now? Okay, I'm going to go pee. Be right back. <laughs> All right. All right. I hate Sable not just because, without ever loving the business, she used pro wrestling for her own personal gains and left the first chance she got. And when she couldn't cut it in the mainstream, she ran right back to Vince Russo and Vince McMahon's geriatric boners. But the main reason I hate Sable is that she ruined women's wrestling in the United States for almost two decades. Keep in mind that I'm talking about mainstream TV wrestling. And I'm sure there are tons of women during this time and before and after who are doing great stuff. But whether you love or hate WWE, it is the mainstream trendsetter for professional wrestling, especially in these pre-internet streaming days. And as the top woman in the business, as the example of women's wrestling, Sable made it so that women's wrestling was nothing but failed actresses and failed fitness models sewn together by plastic surgeons doing slap-fighting, hair-pulling, bra-and-panning pudding matches and what Sable did was take an entire industry away from women who actually lived it and loved it and protected it. Women like Luna Vachon, women who worked their entire lives to be good at it, women who were mistreated by moolah for years and took it so that one day they could reach a level that they could live off professional wrestling. And when all the virgins watching finally got tired of Sable taking her shirt off on pay-per-views. Women's wrestling became pee-break matches for 15 years, a stigma that women's wrestling still carries to this day, even with all the great women's wrestling out there now. I still see this online all the time. And I'm not saying you have to pick between being super attractive or a pro wrestler. Charlotte Flair, Bayley, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan, AJ Lee, they're both. And it's only in the last few years that women like that were able to pull wrestling out of the black hole that Sable left it in. Like, Charlotte Flair is one of my favorite wrestlers. Not women's wrestlers. One of my favorite wrestlers. And forget wrestling for a second. It's sports entertainment. We can be straight up bro-y. At no point was Sable even the hottest woman in the fucking company like Vince marketed her to be. Trish Stratus was light years hotter than her, as was Sonny. And they could both actually work, but Sable would strut out every night with her dead inside Stedford wife voice. All the men want me and all the women want to be me. 
do her awkward ass 90s hip gyration, and then not deliver on any level, all while treating people like shit in the back and not giving a single fuck about pro wrestling. Please play good music at my funeral. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got from my pee break. What happened? <laughs> um, may I retort? <laughs> fuck you, yes. But... Uh, I, but here's the thing. I, I don't want to retort all of that because I agree. Because that's a lot. <laughs> there, there's a lot of points. That's the most I've ever talked in my life without stopping. It's more than you've ever talked Nick on, on is so right regularly. Right. Nick like, is so red right now. I'm the narrator. I'm the research guy for now. <laughs> Nick, Nick is the host of this thing, and he doesn't talk that much normally <laughs> for that extended period of time. Um, I agree with you a thousand point, a thousand times on a lot of those points. I would say even... 99, 98% of that. But what I will throw out there is a, a discussion we had in a previous episode, which is available in the archives, Brickhouse Brown, about the idea of black wrestlers uh, being on the card, but they would be put in these racist angles. But the idea that you had a black wrestler on the card in racist areas where they probably didn't know or appreciate that, much like we've made of the analogy of in the 90s in a sitcom, you just put a gay person out there doing yep. a flamboyant gay yep. character always got a laugh. And, you know, if they didn't have that, they didn't have representation of that. And, you know, what's worse, not having no reputation or a bad representation in media. What Sable did, especially, but I but I feel like Sable probably should get more of the credit, but I think it was really Sonny that got the ball rolling, was the idea that there was money yeah. in women in wrestling. Yeah, and and mm -hmm. I th feel like Sonny was definitely the start of that, but I think Sable was the actualization of that, the the, the proof. You know, the I, full I think that follow through there, the full follow through. I think there was a lot of money left on the table with Sonny, where I think totally. Sonny was the thing that got people's you know eyes perk, like oh, we could make money this way. She was American with, Online number one, but she wasn't Mozilla Firefox number one. <laughs> yeah, or just the idea like oh, we could make money off of women because I mean pro wrestling. Is about exploitation. Yeah, totally. And, and the That's idea, and the, like I said, part of the reason that you made sure that you had a African-American wrestler on your roster is so you could sell tickets to the African-American community. And was that right or wrong? But that's what they did. But as we said before, that son of a guy who's racist, you know, his son may look up to and say, hey, my favorite wrestler is Brickhouse Brown or hey, my favorite wrestler is Tony Atlas, where if he wasn't on the card, he, would, he wouldn't have that that person to point to and then change his worldview entirely I mean, much in the same sense that Sable was the idea of like, Oh, women can be something more than just valets in, in pro wrestling. She made that happen. Now was, was she the right person for that spot? I will wholeheartedly agree that she was, she was not. I would say Sonny would have been the right person, but like I said, she was a worker and so, but Sonny stayed on the fucking ring and, and still was a mega star. You don't have to make women's wrestling putting matches for 10 fucking years. And but like I said, a lot of that became with even the male's attitudes. Perspective is a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, and I always say this, that sometimes uh, being successful as an art form is you basically have to get a old white male to say yes to the thing that you're doing. Uh, and I agree. And, that, and, and, and unfortunately, that's a lot of what the world is today. And until that changes... You're gonna forget about the people like the Luna Vachans. I'm, I'm in. I love movies to death, and I don't understand this old white male approval thing at all. <laughs> I just don't get it at fucking all. The Oscars, the Academy producing, nah. But 
but, <laughs> but but even tie back to Luna, if you don't have the Sable, do you bring in? Does someone like Luna have if a you don't have spot? The, if you don't have the great fucking villain, you don't have the great fucking but hero. Luna is the fucking villain in this, and the way it was booked. She, well, Luna yeah, that every night exactly. That's what made it's, it's. It's all tied together. You, I mean, it was Luke it was, Skywalker ain't shit the, without the, Darth Vader. The, hard, the hardest thing is that, that Luna should have got more appreciation for yes. helping launching exactly. somebody. Yes, exactly, and I think exactly. that's, that's the point where she trying. didn't have the foil. She her foilness but, wasn't appreciated. But my my okay, my whole argument is that. This is, you know, 98, 99. Mm-hmm. E- everyone's 13 years old during the Attitude Era. Just fucking... Boners. Like, stupid fucking teenage boners. Like, oh my God, <laughs> Sable, Sable. Yeah. And then they turned into 15-year-olds, into 18-year-olds, into 21-year-olds. And they noticed, oh, this women's wrestling thing we've been watching for the last few years is shit. And now it took Charlotte Flair and, and Sasha Banks and untold hundreds of of women in the indies and TNA and Japan to fucking... And Manami Toyota go be, going like, fucking told yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do, do, anyone listening to this fucking podcast know who Manami Toyota is. But you know who Sable is. I can fucking promise you that. And that's my whole argument on this, is that WWE is, is the trendsetter, and they have all the eyes on them. Well, and it all goes back to even something that's beyond even WWE. This is something that's always happened in wrestling in general is not appreciating the person that's getting over the star. And yeah. and then that person yeah, was yeah. Luna Vachon. You you they should have put more of a premium on someone like Luna Vachon who could go out and make someone like Sable who was an inept as she was who didn't love it as much instead of them showering Sable with appreciation after they should have showered Luna, Luna yeah. because she's the one that made that person look good. Cause like, because I can't tell you how many times I've wrestled myself and it'd be against a guy that had little or no experience that just had a good look and I made him look fantastic. Be like, Oh, we want to book that guy, but yeah. not Jake man. And, yeah. and, and that that's ultimately always been the problem with wrestling is sometimes you forget the guy who gets over the guy yeah, and, what, and heck that's what people said about rick flair for a long time well. really yeah. like just when i did luna research it was that type of thing where i flash back to like oh bigelow oh boss man yeah. it was just all it was like oh just all these dudes who make everyone look so good and they had their shines they had their good matches and they had their their moments that really made them but so much of them was making other people look good and it's like Fuck. <laughs> All right. We'll move on from this a little bit. All right. After Unforgiven, uh, Luna would quit feuding with Sable, eventually turned face and began her time as Princess Luna with the oddities, which was not the best thing ever. Thank you, South Park. It was it was Luna with Golga, uh, who was Earthquake, John Tinta, in a mask with a Cartman shirt on. Uh, Kurgan, who went on to be an actor in movies like 300 and Deadpool 2. Good casting. Micah's favorite MMA fighter, Giant Silva. Oh, man. He was so good in Pride. I think he had some Pride matches because that's all they did in Pride. They just booked, like, Butterbean and Giant Silva (laughs) against, like, I don't know, fucking this Japanese little guy. God bless Pride. That's all I'm going to say. Luna said that the oddities were kind of a joke in the locker room and anyone who drew them that night would be very frustrated. They didn't like working with them. 
And even Wrestling Observer would give them worst gimmick and worst tag team of 1998. Sorry, real quick on the Sable defending. Can we point out how big of a douchebag weirdo Metzler was with Sable? I just want to throw that out there. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Dave, Dave Metzler just like would constantly comment on Sable and how uh, this, this is this is totally Bruce Pritchard fucking something to wrestle with stuff. But they enlightened me to how much of a weirdo Dave Meltzer was was focusing on uh, Sable and appearances and women and not coming off like a so- total social justice warrior. But it's just like. Dave was weird with Sable. Uh, I, I see your obsession with Sable and raise you his obsession with Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> In 1998, the Women's Championship would again be reactivated uh, because it was deactivated after Alundra Blaze put it in a fucking trash can in 1995. That was on Nitro, right? Yeah. Yeah. And by December of 98, the WWF's Women's Championship would go somewhere worse than a trash can around the waist of Sable. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, getting, oh, I'm getting fucking brave. Now. That was good. All right. So many. I mean, you already went for the knockout blow, and now you're doing jabs? <laughs> like, yeah. Not yet. It's like, it's like on those fight videos on YouTube when the dude gets knocked out and he's laying on the concrete, and the dude keeps punching his face. <laughs> he just keeps punching his face. No, this is like his friend walking by and just kicking him. Like, that's. That's all it is right now. We get it. (laughs) All right, so Sable would be attacked on an episode of Raw by the mass spider lady. I imagine as an old cat lady, but with 13 spiders, which is way creepier. I do not like spiders. But that's still a throwback to the the uh, original Montreal screw yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Which, were you going to touch on that? Sorry. Well, we can. Uh, I was going to actually bring that up whenever we cover Bruno Sammartino, because I think he had the original screw job. And if you don't know about that, we'll talk Ooh, about Ooh, good tease. We'll talk about both on Yeah, Bruno there we episode. go. All right. <laughs> The oddities come out to pull the spider lady uh, off of Sable because at this point they were kind of friends through the angle. And in the scuffle, the mask gets pulled out and it turns out to be... It's Luna. It's Luna. <sighs> it's Luna. The shock master. <laughs> God damn it. That would be, I wish if I could rewrite history. Which, by the way, like spider lady is like character that's used on the indies and there's still m- really oh there's multiple different spider ladies uh, out there it's like uh, so like spider lady is like the masked assassin uh, uh the female version of right masked assassin. Right, right, so, right right good trivia right here this led to a leather strap match at the 1999 royal rumble and part of the storyline leading up to the royal rumble is that luna was repeatedly attacked by a crazy sable fan who was tori of dx fame and that was her debut into wwf Leading up to the Royal Rumble, Luna would also face the legendary Gilberg. And Luna would beat Gilberg, giving him his first loss in his defeated streak. I want to point out that uh, in my notes I wrote that uh, Luna was the first one to beat Gilberg. And she also has a pin over Jim fucking Cornette. So so take that. Gilberg and Jim Cornette. Who else has that record? (laughs) Before the Rumble, Luna attacked Sable on Heat, the pre-show of the Royal Rumble, and they teased that Sable would forfeit the title, but instead, Sable comes out, they do the match anyways, and after a little Tory interference, Sable would win, and aside from taking a very gentle backbreaker, Sable again wouldn't take a single bump. So at this point, Luna, one of the great women wrestlers, especially of this era, still hadn't got a goddamn title run. 
However, she was scheduled to get the belt on a minimum of three different occasions, but Sable conveniently forgot to bring the belt to those shows because she is the fucking worst. Uh, I mean, second worst tops. <laughs> Luna was supposed to get another title shot at St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but the match never happened, apparently due to Luna getting into a fight with Sable backstage. Uh, I don't know if it was physical or verbal. So after this, Luna would try and fail a couple title shots at Ivory. And her last WWF appearance that I found was 1999 Survivor Series with Luna, Jacqueline, Tori, Ivory losing to Deborah, Mae Young, Moolah, and Tori. So there's a couple different stories of why Luna got let go from WWF. There was a backstage fight with Sable and or Mark Marrow. Screaming matches with Blackjack, Lanza, and Jacqueline. And the story Luna tells on uh, one of the shoot interviews she does. Backstage, Luna was play fighting with a WWE producer. And the producer shot a spitball into Luna's hair as a gag. Uh, Luna wraps her in tape and they both kind of laugh about it. But because of a very strict talent and production crew separation, they're never supposed to interact. Two days later... Luna was let go from the WWF. My best guess is that it's a combination of all those things. Because uh, from what I heard, Luna was kind of coming apart at the seams at this time. And there are a lot of people who describe Luna as this sweet, really awesome person. And then she'd have these blips on the radar of losing her temper or going nuts or being a drama queen. And that is classic undiagnosed bipolar, which she would later be diagnosed with. She was literally sick and unmedicated. But no matter what story you go on, towards the end of 1999, Luna was let go from the WWF, and that would be the last time she'd ever be back. After leaving the WWF, Luna managed Gangrel and wrestled in the Indies all over the world, including a 2002 match in Australia with Jerry Lawler on commentary, where Luna faced her husband, Vampire Warrior, or Gangrel. If you watch the match, Luna's fighting Gangrel. Uh, he's trying not to fight back. It's that whole kind of thing. She hits him with a baking sheet, uh, some tongs to the balls, yeah, and finally her wedding ring. Well, there's wedding cake slam spots. Yeah. So, yeah, she gets slammed into her own wedding cake. Eventually, Gangrel hits Luna with that plant DDT he did. The and, Impaler. Yeah, and uh, he wins the match. In 2006, Gangrel and Luna would have some real troubles, and they would end up getting divorced, which breaks my heart. Yeah, right? Um, They were supposed to make it. I know, right? But Gangrel said they did remain close friends, which is, I guess, a little silver lining. On June 9th, 2007, Luna became the first Great Lakes Championship Wrestling Ladies Champion, defeating TNA's Tracy Brooks. In uh, December of 07, Luna announced her retirement, and her last match was on December 7th, and she'd once again face Tracy Brooks for the GLCW Ladies Championship. Luna would hit Tracy with that swinging netbreaker, a Luna bomb, and win the match and retire as champion. When she officially retired from pro wrestling, she worked as a, as a tow truck operator in Port Ritchie, Florida, because, of course. <laughs> like, what else would Luna I mean, do? the fact that no one signed up a reality show. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been gold. They have fucking good. tow truck, uh, like, reclaim. It's like one of the shittiest uh, reality shows. But you get an ex-pro wrestler to be that. That's a reality show. What are you doing, people? <laughs> You parked in a nine-a-toe zone. <laughs> like, he's just like, Jesus lady, okay. 
Jim Ross said that she, Luna hoped that being off the road and working a regular job would give her a little time to, you know, be with her family, live a normal life for the first time. In April of 09, Luna was honored at the 44th annual Cauliflower Alley Club reunion, where she was given the Women's Wrestling Award. And all four members of the Vashon wrestling family have been honored by the Cauliflower Alley Club, which we talked about on our Brickhouse Brown episode. I highly suggest you check them out. Maybe throw a little money there. Which came out two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, on a much sadder note, in December of 09, Luna's house was destroyed by a fire. Oh. And she lost not just all your normal everyday things and keepsakes that would traumatize us, but she also lost all her wrestling memorabilia. Oh, God. How did I miss that part? Uh, you just wish Bam Bam was there to save everything. <laughs> it's just a fire. I save things. No big deal. I'm Bam Bam Bigelow. I go into fires. I save things. There should have been six young children in that house. Listen, I've had flames on my, my, on my body <laughs> for most of my life. Like, <laughs> I'm second degree. What's third degree? We, real or fake flames. <laughs> That are sewn on my gear, I've, I've always just... I got them on my car, too. Yeah, I'm used to it. <laughs> so, led by Mick Foley, a lot of wrestlers and fans would mail Luna, Luna-related wrestling memorabilia, which mm. is, that's very nice. It mm-hmm. is, but it's still sad. Yeah. Mick Foley also suggested that TNA bring Luna in to manage, but uh, Luna said that she had retired. And if this were a movie, this would be Mick luring her in with one last heist, the big score. (laughs) The one that would let them all retire. And then Luna would go through with it. And when they broke into the safe, it would just be working for TNA in 2010, which was not the best year. And I want to say that's like 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, (laughs) Um, 5.3 on IMDb. Yeah, Who, who, who would be her? Jennifer fucking Jason Lee would destroy... Luna Vachon. Jennifer Jason Lee, one of the best actresses ever. Mm. I don't know who that is. God, you suck. (laughs) And all right, here's where things get truly sad. On the morning of August 27, 2010, Luna Vachon was found dead by her mother in Pasco County, Florida. She was only 48 years old. Uh, It's not that that far from me. According to District 6 Medical Examiner's Office in Florida... She died of an overdose of oxycodone and mm-hmm. benzodiazepine. Now, a lot of wrestlers, uh, like Luna, fight long battles with pills. And uh, she even went to rehab for it in June of '09. But even with the proper help, treatment, and dedication, once that part of your brain is hooked, it, that's a hard thing. Yeah, right. uh, it's a hard thing to shake. And the benzodiazepine was probably for her bipolar, which at this point had been diagnosed. Uh, her death is just another one of those accidental ODs that you hear about a lot in pro wrestling. Uh, it's tragic and it's sad and you just wish she would have beat it. After her death, Luna was cremated and her ashes would join Andre the Giant's ashes and Andre's ranch in Ellerby, North Carolina. So I gave my thoughts on Sable's influence on women's wrestling. <laughs> I'd like to flip it and hear your guys' thoughts on Luna's influence on women's wrestling. Well, I mean, I mentioned earlier about like, you know, maybe there was a direct connection from Sue Young's turn to the undead bride. Just just out of a slap. Because <laughs> it, 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 it happened in Shine, which is a Florida-based women's promotion. So oh, that was probably totally some, in the zeitgeist. It's pro- probably in that. But um, also, too, I think about um, um, Jessica Havoc 
Uh, I think she even wrestled Luna Vashana. She definitely posted an Instagram picture of her and Luna Vashan having like a match. And she, you know, had a very nice Instagram post. And I was almost thinking about reaching out, but I, I read the Instagram post again. I'm like, nah, this kind of covers everything she would have yeah. said. So if you just go to Jessica Havoc's Instagram, there's a picture of her wrestling Luna. And, you know, Jessica starting off in her very early career. She had a lot of ups and downs. And for someone like Luna Vachon to reach out and help someone like Jessica, who is a, a big part of female wrestling today, just goes to show how willing Luna was to give her body to, you know, some of the newer and younger talent. And you and she's not she's not bitter and jaded about it uh, after her experiences with Sable. Yeah, she's like, I still want to give. I still want to make this That's... newer generation better. And I think there's even like a video release of Luna Vachon in the ring and her helping teach people. So like, even though she the, wasn't the in series, that's on high spots. Yeah, yeah. Even, even though mm-hmm. she's, you know, was retired, she still wanted to help. She still wanted it to get better. I know she was very much involved in like WSU in the early days. Like she'd be, I think she was even like around and like was around for some people's matches and, you know, would would watch matches and would contribute and like tell them what to work on, what not to work on, and um, you know, I just you know, I got a couple. You know, is it kind of tell some of the stories I got, or yeah, we gonna save that for later? Yeah, so you like, do your thing, and then you I... can you do it now or save it for. Okay, I mean, because I because you know, like I said, I always I, for these these you know podcasts, I was trying to re- go around and do some research. I get some idea of individuals, but not just female wrestling, just in wrestling in general. A good friend of mine. Mike Lee, who works at the High Spots office, who was a wrestler for a long time, one of George South students, actually got to wrestle Luna Vachon in 2005. And Mike Lee is the nicest person on the planet. And he, like, when I was asking him about Luna Vachon, he was just like, he goes, that woman hit me harder than (laughs) any man has ever hit me before in my entire life. But the thing that, that struck him about her was that she gave him nothing but respect like they're wrestling at some sort of church show in the middle of nowhere and that didn't need to matter to her didn't need to matter to her and she had no idea who mike lee was before she walked into the building but she was absolutely utterly respectful to him asked what do you want to do what are you good at hey why don't we do this and you know just it, the fact that even late that late in her career, after all the experiences she had, she still wanted this person to look good and yep. still wanted, you know, wrestling to be in a good place. And that's always the person she was. But, you know, she like I said, she did struggle through her demons and the, her bipolar yep. issues. And I even saw that at the Cauliflower Alley Club, which it ended up being a funny story and, and actually got me to know Luna a little bit. But it was a complete accident. We were at the Cauliflower Alley Club, and my good friend Charlie Dreamer, who also worked for High Spots. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Charlie's uh, the best. Yeah, Char- yeah, best father in the world <laughs> and best husband in the world. But Charlie, you know, nice nice dude. We were at the Cauliflower Alley Club, and Charlie was walking to go get some coffee. And he was – I can't remember who he was walking with, but they were walking down the hallway. Like, it was just two guys walking like this in one direction, and Luna was coming in the other direction. And at the time, Charlie was dating – girl who was not necessarily a girl who you yeah it wasn't the best relationship that he had with this girl and he was he was you know trying to get some consolement from this guy he was walking with and luna just independently was walking in the opposite direction she was walking into the convention charlie and this other guy were walking out of the convention and charlie was talking about some of his domestic issues and the phrase oh fuck her came out of his mouth and he was obviously talking in an opposite direction or luna 
heard that, thought that Charlie had said, oh, fuck her, and was referring to her. (laughs) She had kind of, like, knew that she was, that Charlie was at our table. She's kind of upset about, told Butcher Vachon and and, and some other Vachons that were over there. And then she finally, like, somebody brought Luna over, like, why don't you go talk to these guys? Like, that guy's been at you know their table all weekend and she came over and told a story and like this guy who's been at your table basically saw me in the hall and said oh fuck her and then i knowing charlie's in a bad relationship I go, oh no i guarantee he wasn't talking to yeah. you he was talking yeah, to whoever yeah. he was with and charlie just walked up at this time meanwhile this is going on butcher vachon is getting up and walking towards the oh, table like he's burning through because he sees him walk in and then I go Char- and like Charlie just walked on like just all happy like hey what's going on guys and like like Luna's still a little hot little red still got still got the anger in her eyes but I think I've calmed it down enough I go Charlie so I cut him off before he comes over and he's like all smiles like Charlie were you talking about your girlfriend as you were walking out oh. the way yeah you know and he goes yeah you know she was texting me all last night and all that stuff I goes well Luna thought you when you said oh fuck her <laughs> And he yeah. and, and Charlie immediately realized, oh fuck, no, oh no. <laughs> immediately put his, his eyes went huge. Immediately put his arms around Luna. I think for two purposes: yep. one, let her know that he loves her and adores her; also, two, to prevent her from throwing a punch. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "If you hug someone, they can't punch good." Yeah, exactly. If you it's a your, boxing. Technique. If you put your arms around them and say, "Oh no, dear God, I love you with all my heart," <laughs> they probably won't kill you. And it, and it, we ended up all getting a big laugh out of it and for the rest of the weekend that's fucking awesome luna was an absolute sweetheart yeah. would come over and be like hey i'm gonna get some coffee you guys need anything <laughs> yeah. and like i was oh, like oh dear man. god no i'll go get something for you right yeah. now and she's just and then every time i saw her ever since then nothing but fantastic just wonderful individual and i told that story to close on this story that i got from george south and Ooh. this takes the cake of all the background <laughs> stories on Luna Vachon. I can kind of place when this happened. I think this was about 94, 95 during that, that hiatus from WWE. Yeah, between after the, Bam Bam. But, but, yeah, after Bam Bam. George South and Italian Stallion, they used to run <laughs> shows all the time. And they used to do a lot of high school shows in West Virginia. And they used to do a lot of military-based shows. Well, they had this military-based show in Florida. And so they're going to Florida, and they they knew Gang Grell was down there, and Luna was down there, and they're like, "Oh, we you know, let's get let's get David and Luna, I'll come in, we'll we'll have them wrestle and stuff like that." And and George always talks about like that Luna did so much for the Blackhearts because like you know the Blackhearts worth you know George and Stallion would use them as well all the time because she she did more for them than than anybody else like the, you know like she helped get them bookings all the time right you know she's always going out of her way and George always said that Luna was such a great wrestler but her character was so good it was always overshadowed and George talks about some matches that yeah, Luna that Luna, Luna had against Bambi, who is a fantastic female wrestler. I think there's a YouTube match. On. Yeah, George was like, those matches were so good. That she goes, I'd put those against any matches anywhere by anybody. But her character was so good that you almost forgot how it's good of so a wrestler true. she was. That's such a good point. But anyways, the, the match they had booked at this naval base in Florida was George South, Italian Stallion versus Vampire Warrior and Luna Vachon. <laughs> Italian Stallion's finisher move or a big move that he always do would be the press slam now i don't know if you guys have seen the mechanics of the press slam you got the one hand it's ultimate warrior thing yeah yeah you, pre- you get the one hand on the him. chest 
and Penis. just get, just by man me- mechanics, Genesis. you got your hand on somebody's gulus, basically. <laughs> That's basically the way you got to hold them. You can put your hand on the thigh, but it's not going to be sturdy. Yep, but right. you got you got to just go. I mean. I, Few, you gotta, you gotta do it. Few months ago, some guy just got a handful of my dick and balls, <laughs> and I just, I had to go with it. And he like grabbed me, tossed me in there, caught me, and then slammed me down. And I'm just one like one of those things. It yeah. just one of those things. That's how wrestling is. Is some dude just gotta grab you by your dick and by your chest, and then sometimes it doesn't feel very good, and it hurts, and it's just <laughs> the way it is. But that's just the mechanics how it goes. You can't grab the thigh because you're going to drop the guy. And if you're up there, you'd rather have the guy grab your dick and balls. It's a safety thing. As opposed to your thigh. Yeah. Now, you're going to have a talent stallion, a man. Yeah. Shoot Luna Vachon off. And, and then go for the press slam. Oh, boy. Now, Luna Vachon didn't appreciate this very much. No, no. <laughs> it's um, such a good opener to what's coming. And... There is a quote that I'm going to say that I didn't hear the full quote. So when I say the quote, I'm going to say it in Luna's voice. And I'm going to put in the word that I think she said. Okay. And keep in mind, this this was said very loudly <laughs> in on a naval base. With eight-year-olds in the front audience. With families <laughs> and everything else. And with that voice. Keep right. that, with yeah, that no, voice. The voice is so key. I'm going to do the voice, and I'm going to now say what Luna Vachon said when Italian Stallion had her up in the air for a press slam. Get your hands off my pussy! <laughs> <laughs> when that, oh, God. When that was said with that voice... Italian Stallion immediately gently set Luna Vachon down <laughs> That's impressive. without dropping her, just set her back down on her feet. Yeah. And he, Wow, he, on her feet? On her feet. Wow. Stopped everything, gently <laughs> set her down. Yeah, and it was like, what a reversal. What a reversal. Set her down on her feet, went over to tag George into the match. George hopped off the apron and said, I am not getting in there with that woman. <laughs> Because that voice, George said, to this day, that voice being yelled so loudly is the scariest thing he's ever heard in his entire life. The announcers yet again still going, she must have watched tape on this. It, it was such a traumatic incident. George says he doesn't remember how the match ended. Right, right. right. Who, who won? Who knows? He, George is like... I think he just set her down, and we all just walked. Just I think that's. I think that's what happened. They sent Luna down. Everyone tapped. We all went home. And he goes. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. <laughs> like I, I, I still don't know to this day. Oh my fucking god! So those are the Luna stories that I have. That was beautiful. Final thoughts on Luna Sean Mike again. Yet again, I feel like just I write so many notes when I do this stuff. I feel like I just need to give people more heads up that might not make the list. Uh, there's a YouTube clip where she beats the shit of, out of Babu, which is Tyler Ali Singh's assistant. It's a heat match. It's not a match. It's a beatdown from hell. She just beats the shit out of him. That's a good one. There is a YouTube clip. It's titled WWE star Luna Vachon, rest in peace. She's at some types of charity event and... There's this little kid, and she cuts a promo on this little kid for this charity event that is just beautiful. It's mad, it's angry, but it's the most kind-hearted, just like, she's she's doing work for this. It, it's so good. There's a YouTube promo, I can't remember the line. She says, using mere words to describe me is like using a screwdriver to cut roast beef. 
I don't know what that means exactly, and I'm an English major, but it's it stuck in my stuck in my craw. She has a great quote in uh, the video store kind of YouTube shoot where Abdullah the Butcher told her, "The people are smart, we're the marks." Yeah, I love that quote. And I, I mean, it's basically like you know, we go out here, we don't have sad cards, we don't have an insurance, we do all this shit just for the love, and I'm sure Jake and truth. Yeah, <laughs> George always says the biggest marks are in the dressing room. Right. Thing I do want to say when watching all these promos, Luna talked about how from the age of three she wanted to be WWF champ, and it's just she in in the second shoot interview I watched, she cries with how much passion she has and how much she wants it. And watching all these matches, doing research, it fucking hurt to see how like. Not to crap on any of the other female wrestlers, but like Ivory and everybody else just winning the belt. And all Luna wanted once was just to win the fucking belt once. Even if it's for a week or anything. If it's a if it's a pay-per-view win and then she loses on Raw, she didn't give a shit. She just wanted to win that belt once. And just how much passion and how much she wanted it. It just it, it oozed from the screen. And just how much Luna would be proud of how Charlotte Flair, like Nick mentioned... And how Saucer Banks and how elevated, like Hell in a Cell matches and how much respect and how much athleticism and drama and everything has been given to the female division. Luna would be fucking weeping. I think you nailed it, Michael. That's, I think that's how she'd feel. You know, she was, you know, I always say, you know, it's great that we WWE has got to this place and women's wrestling has got to this place. But unfortunately, there are a lot of bodies and careers along the way and unfortunately luna vachon was one of those and i that's that's why i like that we're doing this podcast to take a second to think about those people and luna vachon is for sure one of those people they're they were pioneers of this wrestling business that get forgotten about all the time and luna vachon was sure one of those people and you're absolutely right you know she would be moved beyond belief at the place it is and and, and that's why i think she should always be remembered because it meant that much to her and that means a lot to me as somebody who's has that much passion for it as well. So, gonna piggyback on that too. One thing that kept popping up to me with every Luna article I read or promo or match I watched, it fucking breaks my heart that yeah. she doesn't get to see what women's wrestling is right now in NXT and WWE. TNA all around the world and all the great work these women right now are doing. It's all it's like all she ever wanted, it's all she fought for, and I think she carried this level of guilt that she didn't do it during her career, that she didn't turn women's wrestling into it is today. As a professional wrestler, Luna was absolutely the total package. I mean she had the look. She had the in-ring ability. I will say she is the greatest female mic worker of all time. The metal uh, promo is seriously I, I dare amazing. anyone <laughs> to, to even rival her. She was so effortlessly badass. So believable. Uh, she loved wrestling like Candido loved wrestling. I mean, she was consumed by it. And she was just a, a decade too early. Yeah. I guess we'll wrap up. We're Tim Bell Pod on all the social medias. If you like this, please leave a review. Uh, that helps us. I am Nick Olesa on all the social medias. Micah is J Trotter27 on. Tr- tr- 
Did Twitter. You fuck, did you Twitter. fuck up Twitter? <laughs> fuck up Twitter. <laughs> you nailed the right thing, and then you're like, uh, I yeah. did it, buddies. Oh, God. Oh, God. So follow him if you want to read about MMA and movies and occasionally pro wrestling. Uh, Jake Manning is Man Scout Manning on all the social medias, including YouTube, where you can find us. And Luna's whole thing was she kind of messed, she admitted it. Her voice is from the throat. She should have been doing it from the diaphragm. She admitted that. But once the cup, once it was broken, it was all throat all the way. So do it from the diaphragm, people. <laughs>